welcome to the Next Tuesday Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Caroline. I'm Susie. And we're making women great again. Even though we were always great. We'll see you next and every Tuesday. This is so fucking cheesy. <laughs> it's so, so natural. All right. Welcome to the first interview episode of the Next Tuesday Podcast with Karen Seuss. So today we are excited because we get to interview Susie about the stuff that she's been through, her business, um, the way she balances her life with being a boss lady. Figuring out how to be a boss lady. Yeah, figuring all that out. And I'm excited to do that. So I have questions here for you. Yeah, but first, let's just take a moment and pause and celebrate that um, this is also one of our first casts ever launched into the sound cloud wave world. Um, So we're a little excited. I'm excited. It's kind of a big day. Three, four months in the making. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I can't really wrap my head around that we're doing a podcast. I know, but it's pretty cool. Hopefully, this is what everybody's looking for. All right, let's get moving. Um, so, Susie, what's your real name? Oh my gosh, this is your first question. I like to think that Susie is my real name. Are you referring to my legal name? What is your legal name? My legal name. Okay, (laughs) let's clarify. My legal name is Susan Margaret. Well, actually, it's not anymore. It's actually Susan Rice now because now I'm married. But my first legal name into the universe was Susan Margaret Rice, which has absolutely no... Yeah, it just does not feel like me. It would be like if I had to try on a face, none of them would feel right because it wasn't my face. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. (laughs) But, and now I'm Susan Rice Kinahan, which is very confusing for people as well because everyone knows me as Susie Rice. And so when I'm like, Susan Kinahan has sent you a payment, they're like, who, who are you? I know Susie from college. And so when I talk to sorority people and I was like oh yeah I'm hanging out with Susie Rice but her name's not Susie Rice anymore anyway that's a long round well it it is and isn't but true there you go so what are some of the things you have done thus far that have gotten you to where we are sitting on the floor of your house recording a podcast about boss ladies with Jack my dog farting with Jack your dog (laughs) farting um I've done a lot of really off the bean pot take us in a timeline so I graduated college where CARE followed me in 2009. And then the summer after college, I did a work trade at the Mega Institute. It's a holistic institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Um, and originally I thought I was going to travel abroad between summer or just after college. But I got into grad school somewhat surprisingly because I switched my major. I traveled abroad had a bit of a like internal crisis, came back, was a communications major. I thought I was going to be like a powerful, badass corporate boss babe, which mm-hmm. is, if you know me now, like quite a, a laugh. <laughs> no. Um, kind of. 
so then I switched to psychology and and then I decided I was going to be a therapist, so I started applying to all these MSW um, social work programs. What made you decide that you wanted to be a therapist? Like, what what was the thing that made you decide you wanted to do that? Because I was going through a lot um, my sophomore year of college emotionally, and I went to one therapist who told me that I probably should be on drugs and that he probably couldn't help me. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it was really intense, and I knew I didn't need to be on drugs, and I knew I was just like... I needed to, like, just get what I was feeling off of my chest, and I, yeah. I don't even think it sounded that intense, but I know I was feeling a lot, so I would go on these, like, super cathartic walks around the Swan River, like, six-mile walks with my girlfriend, Claire, in Perth, and we would talk about everything and anything. Australia, P.S. Yes, Australia, and realized how powerful it could be just to talk about all your stuff, and I was like, I just want to listen to people's stories and talk about stuff because this is really helpful. Right. Okay, so that's when it kind of shifted for you and you decided, hey, this yeah. is something I think I want to do. Yeah, so that's and I was looking into the closest or the quickest thing that could kind of get me into a career, and I knew I didn't want to go get a doctorate and spend, like, my whole life after grad school. Doing in, research? Or whole life after college in research, yeah. And I, I knew I just didn't want to spend another decade getting to – I mean, I yeah. did spend a decade getting to where I am, but – I didn't want to be locked into, like, one thing setting. Right. So I was like, if I get a, a degree in social work, then, like, I can find a place that is a different kind of culture or a different place to kind of grow up a little bit more. Because I also don't think that I was ready to enter the real world, probably. Right. Like, I was like, let's not go there yet. I got into grad school and I ended up moving from North Carolina to New York City And so between that, I was like, I had worked all throughout college and I had had some money saved. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to spend all of my money and then get to New York and be like, ugh, I don't have any money. I have to do everything. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what can I do that's a different experience that I I don't have to spend money? And Omega came up and I was like, oh my gosh, I can live in a tent in the wilderness and I can work at this bookstore and I can learn all about yoga. Wait, wait, okay, back up. So New York City, you were living in a tent? Uh, well, this is Rhinebeck, so this is right outside New okay. York. So it's like an hour train ride from the city. Okay. So this is between college and going to grad school for okay. like six to eight weeks of the summer. That makes sense. I lived in a tent. I would hate that so much. Yeah. Where did you shower? We had you know, communal showers. It was like if you did a work trade, you just lived there and you would get three meals, organic meals a day. I worked in the bookstore, which was amazing. So I worked five days a week for eight-hour shifts. And I would get to, like, borrow the books and read the books. And so that was really cool. Actually, there's a book under my coffee table from Omega. What? Um, yeah. It's been a, a Bible of mine. It's um, Healing with Whole Foods by um, Paul Pitchford. And I, I always – it's funny. I, I'm referencing it more at the moment than I have in years. But maybe we'll get there. Yeah, I, I was at Omega um, for about six weeks. I had to leave early. But – it was, it was a wild ride. So that's where I got my first exposure, really, to the world of holistic life. I didn't know all that, actually. I did not oh. know that that's where everything kind of started for you. So Yeah. I would hate living in the wilderness. Well, and to make it even more interesting, like, my mom um, had breast cancer, and I found out that she was diagnosed oh in the God. wilderness. Actually, Omega is the first place I've ever been in complete silence because I didn't have cell phone reception. No one I knew was there. I was one of the youngest people doing a work trade. I had 
Elon University is a very great school and also extremely preppy and Southern a little bit. And so, a little bit? A, a lot of it. Um, and my whole life I had I'd been in very preppy environments again, which is really funny when you, you know me. But... I went from being, like, used to people wearing, like, Lily Pulitzer and summer dresses and heels to being in, like, a tent where people were, like, you know, naked shower when you need to and, like, it's all good and the environment and and it was beautiful. But weird. But But change. Like, a weird change for you. It was such a drastic change from coming where I was coming from. So then I was in New York City for three years Um, And I did my master's in social work at Fordham, and then I worked in the city for a year. I did my first yoga teacher training right after I graduated with my social work degree at Ishta Yoga, which stands for the Integrated Science of Hatha Tantra and Ayurveda. Can you say that one more time? The Integrated Science of Hatha Tantra and Ayurveda. I'm always like in my head, like, which comes first? (laughs) What are all the letters? I don't, that's a lot of letters. So it was really great. It was a vinyasa style practice, but it was great exposure to a lot of the various lineages of yoga and just different ways of being because Tantra is all about the perfection of where we are in any given minute. Hatha is, you know, the yoga asana and Hatha is sun and moon. So kind of that masculine feminine balance of everything that's in every lineage of yoga. And then Ayurveda is the science of life, and so it talks about like our our makeup and when you think about elements and coming into our bodies and then kind of balancing things throughout the time that we spend in our bodies. Cool. Yeah, so that was really interesting, and then I met my now husband in New York. I was doing a lot of goal coaching with urban young adults, and I was still a young adult myself. What is goal coaching? Yes, really, I meant to say goal setting. But goal I was, setting. What is goal um, setting? Yeah, so I was working with urban youth, and I was bringing them to the corporate setting, and they had either a GED or high school diploma, and we would work with them to support them through this transition of learning a skill set and then going into the corporate environment. So goal setting is really just helping people set goals and think about their future and think about all the steps like climbing a staircase to get to that goal. Something that we all need. Something that we all need. And those smart goals being that they have to be specific and measurable, attainable, time sensitive, and realistic in a different order, but all of those involved. So I was thinking about goals all the time and I was just wondering what are my goals and I had always wanted to travel and I had always wanted to go abroad after living abroad because all of the Australians had already backpacked. They just have a very different way of going to school and not having it need to be 18, 19, 20, 21. It can be, you know, 22 they start school. They've already traveled the world. I was wondering how I could get back there and one day I just came home and told Ryan, my husband, now that I... (laughs) <laughs> when our, our lease was up, I just wasn't, I wasn't going to live there anymore. I was going to go move abroad. And he kind of looked at me and was like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, you're welcome to come if you want, but this is what I'm doing. So come or don't come, we'll figure it out or we won't, but I'm, I'm going to go. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to go. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, are, are you sure? It's kind of a really big decision. You're yeah. going to leave everything? And he was like, Yeah. So, you know, 
six months later, we were off. And so we traveled Asia for six months. I um, did a silent Vipassana in Thailand, which means like a silent meditation retreat. So I spent 10 days in silence. Which I, first of all, as someone who likes to talk a lot, I would have never been able to do. Second of all, you like to talk a lot. You know, as a kid, I didn't, apparently. Apparently, I didn't talk till I was two and I needed a speech pathologist. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I needed help. My sister didn't talk for a while, and then when she started, we couldn't get her to shut up. Yeah, I think that's me. Even in first grade, my first grade teacher was like, Susie doesn't talk. But they said Susan because, side note, I didn't go by Susie until I was 12. Really? Really. So you were a little child named Susan? Yes. I was little Susan. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's interesting. Fun fact. I did that in Asia. We traveled all through Southeast Asia. Ryan actually got dengue fever while traveling in Asia. Are you kidding me? He he got that while I was meditating in a silent retreat without any cell phone. I had no service. I didn't know. I got all these emails when I came out. of the- It was really intense, but I felt very calm and grounded when I came out. And I checked my email, and it, I had like 20 emails. Not 20, but several that were... Susie, I'm in the hospital. I my I missed this flight, and it's because he was in Australia interviewing for jobs because oh we were trying to move to Australia. Oh my god! And every email was like, I might need a blood transfusion. I'm I'm really unwell. I um I I don't. I got a $400 fine from riding in a car, and I was pulling out and didn't have a seatbelt on, and just it was so much, and I was just like. All this happened when I was just waking up at 4 in the morning, going to sleep at 10 at night, meditating. How did he get dengue fever? How do you even get dengue fever? Mosquitoes. Oh, God. Mm, yeah. Okay, well. So luckily he was in Australia where there were good medical facilities, but a lot happened. So then we moved to Australia. Ryan somehow through dengue fever got a job. They put us in Perth which was great because that's where I'd studied. And then in Perth, I got to teach yoga. I worked at Lululemon for a while. They have Lululemon in Australia? They have Lululemon in Australia. <gasps> oh, my God. It's pretty great. They actually, Lululemon was at my family in Australia for the most part. A lot of them came to our wedding that's- in the States. But So I worked there. I got connected to the yoga community. I started teaching, which was great because it was really one of the first opportunities I had to teach. I I honestly don't know that I would have been teaching yoga because in New York I was so intimidated because yoga is so big. Uh, Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's scary. I remember when I was living up there going to yoga class, I was always just like, um, hey, I'm here now. I remember the first time I walked into a yoga studio in New York, I just was so intimidated. I was like, I yeah. I don't have on Lululemon and like this is a t shirt and like I just am used to doing this in a gym but I really like it. I used to go to Prana at okay. yeah, in a Union Square, yeah. I think. My friend Holland and I used to always say we were gonna wake up in the morning in Prana Manana and nice. we maybe did it three times while I lived in New York over the couple months span that I lived there. But uh, because we would just wake up and be like, nope, not happening. <laughs> it happens. post dengue fever, you moved to Australia. We moved to Australia, and we lived there. Worked at Lululemon. Worked at Lululemon, taught yoga. And then we decided that we wanted to travel again. Brian really wanted to go to the World Cup in Brazil. And mm-hmm. he had been to the World Cup in South Africa right before we met. He was talking to all of his buddies, being like, we need to go. And I was like, I want to travel. I really like Australia. I'm not ready to move back to the States. 
what happened was his job in Australia was like, why don't you go and then you can just come right back. And so we left Australia for, I left for three months, he left for two months. I ended up doing another yoga training in India, in Kerala. And then Ryan met me after the training and we traveled for a month around southern India. And then we flew through Barcelona to Brazil and we spent a month traveling Brazil for the World Cup and then we came back to Australia for another year and then that was the first year I was able I was sponsored on Ryan's visa in Australia and that was the first year I started working for myself I was teaching yoga full-time as a contractor and then started my own coaching business in Australia after that we lived in Australia for one more year and we got engaged, we came back to the States, we just felt we both are entrepreneurial, I wanted to do something of my own and Ryan wanted to do something of his own within the same thing that he does and he's in finance. Then we came back to the States and that was really intense. Yeah, I want to ask, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but I just like jumped and just jumped a few minutes ago because I wanted to ask what's the, what are the differences in starting a business in Australia versus starting a business as a small business owner in America. It is so simple in Australia. Yeah. So straightforward and easy. First of all, the tax system in Australia is so much more common sense than Mm. the States. They have everything's online and through the government, there aren't all these like easy file or like this or that or people scamming you all the time to try and get you to pay extra money. Yeah. They have accountants and everything just like we do, and there are people that manage money. I mean, that's all the same, but it, it just is so much more straightforward. Yeah. And to apply for a business license, you you still pay a fee and you file through, but as far as I know, and I could have done things totally wrong, because let's right. be serious, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, what am I? I'm not going to make a ton of money. Hope but, this works. Like, here I go. Uh, and they haven't come looking for me yet, to my knowledge. I just, I remembered I I looked it up, I sent through a form, I got a tax ID number, and then I could just operate with this, like, business tax ID number. And it it is, like, you have to put it on everything that you do as a business, and you need to know your tax ID number, so when people ask. For what I was doing, it was just so easy when when I set up my business in the States, and granted, here, I started with a food business, which is getting a little ahead. Well, a out of my kitchen but that was so intense like because you have to zone your house and then you have to go through all the permits and then with the food then the agriculture people come and they're making sure that everything's okay and then you pay another fee and it's just like this massive crazy process just to say like okay I can now make treats out of my house yeah Yeah. I was wondering what the difference was because I I have a lot of feelings about small businesses being stifled because of all the regulations and rules and departments and fees and blah, blah, blah. Um, Well, especially in Perth, small businesses are so prided on. Yeah. I mean, small businesses are really encouraged, and a lot of communities are made up of small businesses in Perth. Definitely, Australia is coming around more and more and more to big commercialism, but I think there's definitely more of a focus on small businesses and shopping local, especially in WA where there's so much farming done on the west side or west coast 
And also, um, Perth is one of the most isolated cities in the world. It's as far away from the east coast of Australia as California is to us, but with nothing in the middle. And so, literally anything imported is flown across or shipped via the water channels, so things are quite expensive. Most of their crops are coming from WI, so there's tons of farmer's markets, and there's just such an emphasis on that kind of camaraderie coming together, making people survive mentality. After you left Australia, you came back to... So when I came back from Australia, we were getting married in Maryland, and we were between moving to Charlotte, North Carolina, and Richmond, Virginia, I don't really have any connection to Maryland anymore. None of my friends are really there. And my parents are there and my brother. But I wasn't super motivated to be in Maryland, probably since I've left. Charlotte, we had a lot of friends, and it's pretty big on small businesses. They're getting bigger emphasized, I guess. That's what we hear. And we had just been there a lot, so we liked it. And Richmond, Ryan grew up in Midlothian, and kind of like Richmond it's closer to my parents and it still has the water which Charlotte doesn't have any water and there's more to do nature wise and we knew that there was a thriving small business community in Richmond we visited both cities and we kind of played around and then Richmond just felt like the right place to be so then we came to Richmond and then you got married so yeah we got a house in September we lived with Ryan's parents for a few months Before that, then we got married in November. I started a full-time job the week after we got married. For the first time, I hadn't worked a a 40-hour week in a building for someone else since I left New York. So that was a big adjustment. Wow. Yeah. And being married. (laughs) And being married. And just coming back to America. And coming back to America. And then I started teaching yoga Um at Humble Haven in January and at subbing a little bit as well. And so all of that happened. And of course, simultaneously, as all this is happening, I'm just feeling so much resistance. I'm like, I want to start my own thing. Like I was doing my own thing. What am I doing? And also as a woman, so Ryan had been in finance and it was his first time he was starting his business. So we switched roles. I was going to work every day and Ryan was marketing and figuring out his job. And for anyone who started a business, men or women, like, It's hard. There's so much marketing, especially imagine moving from another country where you grew up somewhere, but you don't really have any connections yet. And the places you do have connections are New York City or D.C. or Philly. And while that's helpful in the moment that you move to Richmond, where the scale of business that you're doing shifts, like that's all a lot of a lot of things to work through and navigate. And of course, I'm so impatient For a yogi and a meditation person, I'm like, let's do this. (laughs) So I'm like, God damn it. Why am I going to work? Why are you not getting any contracts? What is going on with my life? I'm married and what does that mean? And my name changed. What am I doing? And deep breath because I feel like I didn't take an exhale that whole time and I have this meeting with my boss who's wonderful and so supportive and is like, Susie, what do you want to do? Because I'm also working in a research study at a university as a health coach, which is wonderful experience and really great behavioral weight loss 
understanding and scientific lens from having such a holistic approach because in Australia I got my integrative nutrition certification and more yoga and this and that but then still everyone I think could feel my tension because I was doing something that I knew intellectually was going to be a great developmental stepping stone but in every moment of it I just felt like I was suffocating I felt like every aspect of my body just was being asked to change and it it wasn't quite ready to surrender into that change. What made you kind of take that leap to start your business and get that moving? Because you're also still working in research with the university. So what made you say, okay, it's time? So I had this meeting in July with my boss And she was just like, Susie, you have everything you need to do anything that you want to do. She was like, you don't need any more schooling. You don't need any certification. She's like, you have everything. You just need to own it. What do you think was holding you back? Well, I still think stuff's holding me back. There's so much fear and uncertainty, and I know what I want to do, but I don't know how. I see the big picture. I'm a futuristic thinker, and then I also, strength finder-wise, I'm an achiever and determined. So there's that like middle step of just feeling my feet on the ground and moving forward and saying, this is what I'm going to do, and I can't change my mind. After that point, I was like, okay, so of course the natural thing was I'm going to think really big. I'm going to have this store and this business, and I'm going to have this yoga studio and this cafe and this holistic shop, and it's going to be wicked. And then I'm like, right, (laughs) 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 because like I'm ready to take this on. But of course, I told everyone that's what I wanted to do because that's what I do. I'm like, yes, I'm going to tell everyone and then I'm going to hold myself accountable. I felt like I was getting really stressed out and I I was not taking my own advice. I was grabbing things on the go and I wasn't meal prepping and I wasn't taking care of myself nutritionally the way that I should have been. I'm totally a stress eater. I'll be so honest. Like, that is my downfall. Cheese. And, oh, for me, I love sweet things. I love sweet and salty things. Yeah. I am not so big on the salt, but I tell you, like, icing is one of my favorite things. I have... This is a college story, actually. This is before I knew you. This was, I think, my freshman year. I just moved in with my roommate, and, like, my stomach was so effed up. Dairy is not usually a friend of mine, but I took... A spoon of ice. I like just was eating icing out of a can and immediately vomited. Like literally I took like two spoonfuls of icing to the face and then I was like, I'm going to go puke now. Yeah, your body was like, no, thank you. Yeah, it was like, nope. That happened to me once. I did this um, juice detox in Bali before we moved back to the States and I was so sensitive. It was like a colonic, which you know I love colonics. Yes. And it was a juice fast and I came back. And we went camping with friends at Easter, and I had a piece of chocolate, and same thing. Immediate, Immediate. vomit. Our bodies yes. are not meant to eat sugar. So that's the thing. I came back, and I was like, I know I don't want to eat sugar, so what can I have? And, of course, I'm a vegetarian, and I love vegan things, and anything marketed is, like, healthy. I'm like, yes, what is this? I mean, in Perth, so Perth is such a healthy city. In New York City as well, there's so many vegan or this and that gluten-free vegan sugar-free and while there are options especially now coming up in the past year there are lots of things to choose but at the time I just would go in and okay gluten-free um cookie dough great I'm gonna take this home and all right I'll make some cookies and I had this rest I don't know I was just totally stress eating and and that's the thing and I think too 
I think one thing that holds me back is just needing to be superhuman sometimes. Wanting to be such an example and when I do things that I know everyone in the world is doing, but when I'm trying to coach people, I forget that I can just admit and acknowledge I struggle too because that's what makes us human and it's the compassion and empathy that we can work together to overcome. I don't need to be perfect. I've always had such high expectations that sometimes it can be suffocating and moving forward with. I don't have to be perfect. I can just do this. Right. I agree. I think that's a big issue for a lot of people. Yeah, it's hard. So in realizing this stuff, and also I I have to do TMI maybe, but it's a real thing and something I'm working on. I have terrible menstrual cycles. I get really sick. I have diarrhea and I vomit and all at once it comes on and I am decapitated. I I call it the purification. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I refer to it as the raging red because it's just such a shock to my system and it's something that I've been trying to heal and something that I was reading about at the time was raw foods and I'd always loved raw food. Um, When we lived in New York, uh, Pure Food and Wine was my favorite restaurant and in Perth, like, I would always eat raw food, not all the time, but I just loved it. You talk about raw food like I talk about pizza. Yeah, I love raw food. It's so good. And raw desserts are my jam. Actually, so, you make and, really good ones. And raw, meaning it's all plant-based, vegan, and it, it's... It's not cooked. It's not cooked. So food is just in their pure form. And Why is that better for you? I don't, it depends on your body. I would never say anything's better or worse, but the idea behind raw food is that if it isn't cooked, it hasn't been changed. And there's something to be said that when you cook food above 117 degrees, the food becomes more acidic and it can become more carcinogenic in your system. For not, not everyone can break down raw food, and it's a hard process in cleansing your system to be able to do that, and there's something to be said about eating seasonally and, and the climate and your body type and where you're from. So there are benefits to eating raw. It's a very healing diet, so if people are going through really intense cancer systems, like a raw food diet can be helpful, mm-hmm. but you have to do it properly with the right supports and a lot of things in place. But So I tried this for a month, and... The month that I went raw and the month that I would do like kind of a fruit fast for a few days before I thought I would get my cycle, because I'm also extremely irregular, I was pain-free. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I just started really enjoying it. It was a creative outlet and I've never been a huge cook. I've been a good cook, but I just started loving it. So I was like, well, maybe I should make this for more people. There aren't any raw dessert options. This could be fun. And it was a way for me to kind of get into that coaching mentality of giving sugar talks because it's there's so many things of the why sugar is bad and I've always tried to avoid refined sugar as much as possible because I know how much I love it. Same. So any alternative. Okay, so I I just, I'm going to start this raw dessert company and it's going to be awesome and then I'll add health coaching to it and it will be great. So then I went through all the hoops to do that, and I I started doing it on the side. Not very strategically, but just kind of for fun and to make extra money. And then I signed up for a raw foods course, as you do, to become a raw food chef. So I went to Bali, and at the hoopla of last year with all the stress and all the things and wanting to get away from working full-time for someone else and wanting to figure out more about myself, and I just love Bali. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything bad about Bali. Like, it's like, oh, I'm going to go to Bali. No, I don't want to go to Bali. Like, no one's going to say they don't want to go to Bali. Yeah, Bali is magical. 
I Why do you think it's like that? It. I think it's it's seriously one of the most spiritual places I've probably ever But why? Been. Is it on a meridian? Is it like <laughs> meridians in your body? I don't know. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> it's an Is energy it on vibe. <laughs> That's cool, though. I, I like the try. Maybe it's the um, Earth's meridian. But yeah, it could be the Earth's meridian. Yeah. I think... I just make shit up. It's fine. No, I like it. I don't know, but it's so special. And it's the culture, and it's the people, and it's their their belief and their honor for previous generations. They actually have massive ancestral worship. Wow. And tons of ceremonies, and it's just beautiful. Okay. Well, well, let's go. We'll do next Tuesday's podcast yes. trip to Bali, and we'll go oh um, interview all the boss babes in Bali and be like, how do you do this? Boss babe retreat to Bali, boss babe 2018. It's boss babes in Bali. Okay. okay. So, yeah, I went to Bali, and meanwhile, I kind of knew that I didn't want to be a full-time maker once I started making things, because as much as I like it, and I still will love to make people stuff. I also recognize like I just love being with people and when I make things all the time I'm not with people with people and I'm creating like food that makes people feel great and I there's something to be said about like putting your love into food and giving that to people to nourish their bodies. But I also felt with all my skills and my talents and and I think my gift is to create space for people to feel loved and accepted to work Mm -hmm. through whatever it is they're working through. Yeah. When I got to Bali, it was just everything so cliche, but I was meant to be there. I, I needed to be there. It was such a stepping stone for me because Bali, recently I was just there in January after we concepted this idea that we're creating a podcast after the election, after I started this business. I'm going on a digital detox, and I'm piecing out, and I'm just doing me. And when I got there, it was just, yeah, a complete step into humility of saying, I don't need to do everything. Like, what am I trying to prove? I have been overrunning myself, and I haven't been slowing down, and I haven't been listening to my body, and these are all the things that I believe in. So it was really confronting all of this stuff that I've been building up and releasing it and I think one thing I realize is like I hold on to the weight whether it's emotional or energetic or psychological and I think we all do to some extent so I was also recognizing like how that manifested in my body and like when I started to breathe into the feelings of some of these things and letting things go like that also happened with my body I just all of a sudden weight was starting to fall out that had accumulated in the past year that it wasn't that I was eating poorly and I was exercising way too much and it was just like my body was wow like you need to like take a step back and and release what advice would you give to somebody who might be in a situation who might think they're in a situation like you were where you're overrun you feel like something's off you know you're you feel like something's out of whack you're stressed out you're trying to run a business and do a job What's a good way to figure out, hey, I need to take a second? And then what are some steps to take to make that happen? Yeah. Besides going to Bali, because we're not all going to be able to go to Bali. And I'll go on a mental health break. No, I think it's going to vary so much depending on who you are and what it is you struggle with. But I think the first thing is when you start noticing yourself moving into these habits or patterns that you know that you don't normally do 
but that you find yourself kind of creeping back into slowly. So for me, eating mindlessly and I eat to avoid stress or to like procrastinate something that I'm putting off or sometimes just to numb out feeling, right? Like so that I'm, if I'm feeling scared or fearful or like I feel like shit, what am I, who am I to do this? It's so much easier to drown that out by, and sometimes it's over-exercising. Like sometimes I'll I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to run five miles today, which is ridiculous because I'm like, when was the last time that I ran? But I think it's starting to acknowledge the imbalances. So the tendencies that are happening or ways that you're feeling that is an immediate, just a curiosity, like this is different. Oh, you're here again. Right. Before I make this a full-scale regression, how can I just acknowledge? And then, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I'm finding is helping me kind of getting back into figuring out what I want to do with my business and how things are going to look because I am going part-time from my job in July and then potentially stepping out by the next year in 2018. And and I have let everything go in the past several months to make space for what's to come and for me I think that is really centering and and starting to say no to things that I don't need to do. Some things I can do is ask myself why I'm saying yes to things or why I feel the need to do something. Writing is sometimes really helpful just to kind of let all my thoughts come out on paper and then not look at it that day, but look back and and say, like, what is a recurring theme? Like, what are the stresses that I might need to tackle? And then I think the best investment is a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Or a coach. Therapist or a colonic person. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the colonic person. Um, Yeah. Everything to just, like, let things go. What is it like being married to an entrepreneur? How do you guys kind of balance that? And Mm Because you have two babies, essentially. You know, you have your business, his business. Yeah, I and then your like, dog, and, and then our dog. Well, right now, I honestly, when I said at the beginning, I'm figuring out my business. I really feel like right now I'm in the space of again coming back and really figuring out powerfully and clearly what it is I really want to create. So I kind of feel like I'm pregnant. I'm not okay. pregnant, but the, like, the baby went back in. The yeah, she had a baby. I like she sold a bunch of things, and then it came out, and I came out with it and we were like you're you need to go back in so it was like cooked. shoved it back in <laughs> literally wasn't cooked either. literally yeah it was uncooked and now it's dehydrating I guess no I I think um last year the balance was so off I, I think and I empathize with anyone where there's two entrepreneurial personalities because it's really hard I mean there's so much that goes into the time and energy of creating anything Um, whether it's an actual child or a business. And I think, you know, when you're balancing your bills and figuring out how you're using your money and where money goes, like with what business and what thing, and then you're navigating your businesses, but then you're also still having to delegate, like who does the laundry? And like, if you're gone all this time, who does the dishes? And then it's so easy for resentments to pile up because there's just so much going on. And I mean, it would be awesome if we had an assistant, but you know, when you're starting a business, good luck with that. Right. It's it's a lot. The biggest thing is communication. 
I think that's what we learned at the end of last year is the more that we are hyper vigilant about what we're doing and reminding and sharing calendars and, and acknowledging what we do do when we do have time around the house. Because now on top of everything, my husband also is in school to get his CPA. So he's finishing coursework so that he can study the next year for another big financial four test series. It's just a lot. And to be okay with that because it is a lot. And some days it's going to feel shitty and other days you're, we're super people. Yeah. So I know we kind of, you kind of touched on this a little bit. It's like you're figuring out, but what would, what's your next step? So my next step is to get really clear on what I want to do. And I, I am clear in the fact that Rob Lisco is still, so Rob Lisco is, the idea is it's going to become a community, a co-creational space, a collective of people who are really looking to live in their authentic Rob Liss. And so everyone's like, what does that mean? And you're figuring it out. And we're figuring it out. But essentially, like, my vision is in Rob Lisco, I am a holistic lifestyle advisor where I want to work one-on-one with individuals and potentially one-on-one with families to really work on releasing the energetic, emotional, and physical weight that we carry around with us in order to live our authentic lives. I want to help people via holistic practices, via literally learning how to meal prep and do the nutritional aspect of, of figuring out how to lose weight. I want to combine self-care practices. Like, there's just so many tools I have in a toolkit of being a social worker and a yoga teacher and health coach and then going through my own healing journey to do that. And really, I just want to create a space where we're all accepting and embracing ourselves so that we can receive our own love and the love of others, but ultimately encourage and empower one another to live, like, the best life possible. Well... That sounds awesome to me as long as you continue to make me snacks. So where can we find you besides the next Tuesday podcast? So currently Rob Lisco is password protected as a website, but it is Rob Lisco, R-A-W-B-L-I-S-S-C-O.com. If you follow me, it's the same on Instagram. That will launch sometime in the next few months as I get more clear. But for now, if you're interested in just following the day-to-day of my life, you can follow Suzy Rice, S-U-Z-I-R-I-C-E, and visit suzyrice.com, where I will be blogging more on a personal level about what it is to be a woman in business and figuring that out and just going through the healing process of what it is to be in my body. Perfect. Perfect. Well, that sounds awesome. Thanks for being on the other side of the microphone tonight. Yeah. Um, Can't wait until I get to be on the other side of the microphone. No, I can't wait too. You can find us as always at www.nexttuesdaypodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at nexttuespodcast. T-U-E-S. Find us on Twitter at the same name, Next Twos Podcast. Go to our SoundCloud, subscribe to us on iTunes, and hopefully we will see you next Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday.